Welcome to Polycast. I'm your host, Davey Drones, and on this show, I explore the lives of Cal Poly students, faculty, and alumni who share their stories and experiences. My guest today is Haley Pavoni, who is the CEO and founder of Passion Footwear, a company that is totally changing the shoe industry, where she has come up with a product that is a high heel with a removable heel. So it just goes to show that a simple idea that has really never been done before. And, you know, she went through the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship and all that they had to offer from the hatchery to the hothouse and really is taking the company off. It's very exciting times for them. They're about to release their first batch. So stay tuned for them. And, you know, here we're going to, she tells the story about the whole process and what started with an idea to then becoming a full-on business. So please welcome my guest today, Haley Pavoni, here on Polycast. All right, welcome Haley. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So you are a entrepreneur. Yes. Go ahead. Give us a little background about Passion Footwear. <laughs> a little bit of the background. Awesome. So Passion Footwear is a fashion tech startup that has created the world's first fully convertible high heels. And what that means for anyone that doesn't know, since it's a brand spanking new idea, mm-hmm. uh, is you can actually take the stiletto off of a high heel shoe completely and you're left with an autonomously functioning flat sandal. So it's not only two shoes in one, but it's just the ultimate solution to high heel pain and inconvenience for pretty much any woman that wears high heels. <laughs> That's awesome. And you're wearing them right now? Of course. Yes. I wear them all the time in the flats. I had to go uphill <laughs> to get here, so yep. ditched my heels back at the car. But it's it's nice to have that versatility, and they're just pretty comfy and obviously custom molded to fit my feet. So I have oh, wow. to wear them at this point. <laughs> Are many of them custom molded, or can you? Have, is that an option? No, no, basically we just used my foot as the oh, model. Oh, there you go. I just perfect so happen to be a perfect size eight Cinderella foot. Uh, yeah, okay. well, and that's the standard like template okay. size that they use. So they basically molded the first shoes oh, around my yeah. foot. That's awesome. <laughs> so they that's fit cool. me really well. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> now, how did this idea all come about? Oh my goodness. Well, it's an infamous story, I Uh must say. Um, I was actually at my sorority spring formal in 2016, and I'd worn six-inch heels to the event, as I'd always done at those kinds of things. You know, prom, any other formal weddings, you just wear heels. As a woman, that's kind of what's expected. Um, But as any women that are listening will know, you probably can't relate to this (laughs) personally, uh, Mm -hmm. but when you're wearing six-inch heels, you can't really dance. You do the, like, heel wobble where you kind of sway side to side and Mm -hmm. try to not move your feet as much as possible. But I really wanted to bust a move, so that wasn't working for me. So I just took my six-inch heels off, threw them to the side of the dance floor like I had at any of those kinds of events I'd been to before, and was running around barefoot. And through an unfortunate series of events, one of the other lovely young women that was present, who still had spiked stilettos on, actually kind of stomped through my foot yeah. and impaled me through the toe. Yikes. So her sti- her stiletto actually like entered my foot. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So as I'm sitting there and impaling myself, it was very interesting. I was in uh, Business 310 at the time, which is mm-hmm. Introduction to Entrepreneurship. I was an entrepreneurship major already. Okay. I'd always known I wanted to start a business, but I really needed inspiration. Mm -hmm. And we just had the lecture the week before in 310 about creating products. And the, the point that my professor really drove home was that the best products solve 
pain points for people because what do you want to spend money on right not being in pain that's like a huge motivator for people (laughs) to buy stuff so as i was sitting there and impaling myself i kind of thought yeah i would definitely spend money to not feel this pain right now or feel it ever again and looking around i realized a good 90 percent of the other women there were also barefoot and at risk of something like this happening right maybe not an impalement that's pretty rare but stepping on glass stepping on rocks Mm -hmm. best case scenario walking through dirt and just having their feet filthy at the end of the night Um, and it really just hit me that this was a gap in the market really the only solutions up until now for high heel pain were to take them off uh, or bring other shoes and I figured there's just got to be a better way to do this and why not set out and try to try to make it myself so that kind of started the whole process okay so you have this idea now and you know you've you're taking these classes how did you first get really really create this idea create this maybe business model what were the first steps to saying all right this is it let's run with it i think i knew it was time to run with it because i was just completely obsessed with it like i'm not kidding when i say after that night i was up until probably 3 a.m for the next week just thinking about ways to make it work like once the idea went off in my head of why can't you take the heel off i i didn't understand right i'm literally like sitting on the floor in my apartment looking at a high heel and looking at a flat that was the same style and basically just had this thought of this is the same shoe literally one just has a heel and an arch support on it and that's it and i don't get why you can't just take that out of the shoe and have it all be one thing Mm -hmm. so even though i i wasn't an engineer and obviously as i went on to learn part of why it hasn't existed until now is it's incredibly difficult to engineer um but i was i was just so obsessed with it that i knew i had to figure it out and so for me that was it, it was that obsession where I knew if I didn't do it now, or at least give it a shot, I was going to regret not chasing that opportunity and that inspiration. Um, and so that was when I started building the business plan and knew the time was was right. And had you told other people, had you talked to your friends about it, said, hey, you know, like, this is a great idea. Let's make this happen. Not really at that point. Um, I think I called my dad first. and was just like <laughs> talking to him about it. Said, hey, I have this weird idea. Do you think it'll work? And he pretty much just like, hey, I mean, give it a shot. Like, I don't know if it'll work, but you might as well look into it. Um, so for a good couple months, I kept it pretty close to the belt. Like I knew about it. Like I said, my dad knew about it. Maybe a couple friends that I mentioned it to in passing, but I was by no means making a big deal about it. Um, I spent a good two months probably just researching how I thought I could make it work, right? Like Googling different materials, Googling how high heels are made right now and what goes into that process. What are the parts of a high heel? Like trying to understand more the problem that I was tackling. And then also the the business side of me was going into the whole market investigation. Is there a market? How much money is spent on high heels every year? How many women really wear them? And is this actually a problem that exists at a large enough scale to, to build a business around? Sure enough, to no surprise, it totally is. It's a huge industry, um, luckily for me. And so after a, a couple months, I, I pretty much took the summer thinking about it and doing more of that internal research. And then in the fall of my junior year was when I formally brought it to the hatchery, had my business plan kind of typed out, pitched it to the staff that was associated with that program. Um, and then they pretty much immediately advised me to find someone with an engineering background mm-hmm. since, like I mentioned, not an engineer, like definitely needed an engineer to vet this. And so I brought a co-founder on about a month later who helped me start flushing out the designs and making it technically proficient. Wow. And so you reached out to the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship that's very present on campus and they have the hatchery and the hot house and all mm-hmm. that. And what was your first contact with them and 
you know, did you did you focus a lot with art, what you had already learned in school because you were a business major, entrepreneur, or was it just kind of, hey, you know, like, let's just see how we can do this, get together and build this? I definitely, so kind of to go to the first part of the mm-hmm. question, how I got engaged with the CIE, I started out, like I said, pitching to the hatchery um, and was accepted on the spot. I was very overprepared. Like I said, I went into it already with a business plan and I had a competitive analysis and all this stuff done, which kind of draws from my entrepreneurship education, right? Like I was going through all these classes, was trained on the kinds of things you're supposed to look for in a business. So I was already pretty prepared going into that interview and had all that information that I'd distilled from what I'd learned in school and actually applied to this concept to create the presentation. So they were very impressed, let me in right away. Um, And the first thing they put me up for was the elevator pitch competition that Cal Poly hosts every year, which was coming up about a month and a half later. So doing that experience kind of forced me to further develop the idea, condense it down into a 90 second pitch, like get very targeted with it. Um, And I was incredibly honored to win both first and second place at that competition, which I think is the first time. Yeah, the judges picked first place and the audience picked second place. So we got both. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Stole the show. I'm not positive that's happened before. I can't say that with 100% certainty, but I was definitely surprised to to take home both. Um, So that was great. And then very confirming. I think that was a huge turning point for me because up until that point, Like I said, it had very much just been kind of me running with the idea in my own mind. And so to to put it out there into the world like that in 90 seconds and get that kind of approval and that kind of response from people really signaled to me that we were onto something that was legitimate and that, you know, had real potential that people were actually interested in. Um, So then from there, we I had my co-founder at that point. We spent the next several months developing the first prototype. We were able to use the innovation sandbox on campus which if any students don't know what that is, it's like the best thing ever. You can 3D print pretty much anything for free. Um, So awesome for prototyping. Mm -hmm. And we brought that first prototype then to the Innovation Quest competition, uh, which is kind of a Shark Tank style pitch competition that the CIU puts on. Um, And we won first place there as well, which was really cool. Yeah. And so with the Innovation Quest, that kind of kicks you off, gets you started and is it ten thousand? It's fifteen thousand for wow. first place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get sent right into the accelerator program. Right into the accelerator. Yes. Okay. So coming off of that victory. And this is your junior. This is my junior year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So coming off of that victory, we obviously applied for the accelerator. At that point, we were pretty serious about the idea. Of course, okay. you know, we had what would it have been at that point, like sixteen thousand five hundred bucks in total oh, funding yeah, or yeah. something <laughs> for all the money that we gathered. We had a prototype that kind of worked. Um, it's actually really funny to look at that prototype now. It legitimately was a Dr. Scholl's insole that we'd spray painted black and like hot glued the 3D printed parts onto to make it kind of work. You could not stand on it or even really pick it up without it falling apart. But when it was sitting very stationary on the table, you could kind of get the idea, which was all we needed at the time. Um, but it was enough for us to, to obviously pitch the accelerator and get accepted. So we were awarded another $10,000 from that program, which was great. And all of the money we'd, we'd won up until that point was equity free, which is huge for a startup company. And so we went into the summer with you know 26500 bucks, this really odd kind of functioning <laughs> prototype, uh, the initial sketches for a provisional patent, and then just myself, my co-founder, and we hired a mechanical engineer to join us to help flesh out the CADs to get some more serious prototyping done. 
and that was pretty much just where we were where we yeah. were at when yeah. we dove into that yeah and so when you were a junior how much time were you spending with this you know on the side not too much not too at much. that okay. point it was kind of part-time I'd say like it was really a, obviously this is a pun but it was a passion project for me <laughs> yep, where I was totally. still very much full-time in school right okay. it's a junior mm-hmm. year one of the busiest years um so I was putting in a lot of schoolwork. But I was, you know, very much on the weekends and whenever my homework was done working on the business plan and researching the competition and working with Tyler, who was my co-founder at the time, uh, to get, you know, the next round of prototypes done or the next round of CADs done. And yeah, I'd say it was it was pretty part time, but it was what I enjoyed the most. So I found myself funneling a lot of my free time into it. Like my Netflix binges stopped (laughs) and instead I was, you know, Googling shoe facts instead of watching The Office for the 10 millionth time. So it was still kind of in the hobby phases, but it was taking up a pretty good portion of my time. Definitely. And then you dive right into summer with the accelerator program. Mm -hmm. How was that as a whole experience? I mean, oh, my goodness, it was incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most intense experience (laughs) of my entire life Um, for anyone that doesn't know the accelerator is basically this program that cal poly puts on for new startups it's 12 weeks long and you it's it's basically a boot camp you go from the stage we were at which is essentially nothing you know a little bit of money like hot glued 3d printed (laughs) prototypes that are falling apart um to hopefully being investment pitch ready by the end of the 12th week so the way the program ends is they have this big event called Demo Day. They invite about 300 to 500 investors throughout the Central Coast that you know are, are actually looking for legitimate investment opportunities. And you get 10 minutes to get up on stage and convince them to hopefully you know fund the next level of development for the company. So really, the the whole point of the accelerator is to make you into something company-wise that can accept mm-hmm. funds and be attractive to investors. So within that 12 weeks, we hired on a professional footwear development team up in Portland that all had experience at you know Nike, Adidas, um, Ariat, which is a huge like more women's fashion shoe company. Um, and so bringing them on was a huge turning point because they obviously knew the industry and were able to start helping us pick materials, find factories and get real prototyping done, which was great. Um, we did a full rebrand, like figured out the branding package for the company, filed our provisional utility patent, which was huge to actually get our IP protection dialed in. Um, we formally incorporated, got all of our legal counsel straightened out and really just kind of developed the company to an actual into an actual company. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it was just an idea before then. Okay. And then it's all of a sudden, OK, we're actually a C corporation. Like we have all of the right processes in place. We own IP. And by the end of the summer, we actually had our first wearable 3D printed prototype that wow. worked, okay. which was really wow. cool um, to be able to. That was a crazy day because they arrived. The 3D prints arrived from Portland about like 24 hours before I was supposed to wear them on stage to pitch at Demo Day. Like the timing came in really tight. I was pretty worried that we weren't going to have them in time. Um, and I just remember when they arrived, I was so excited I actually started crying because I put them on and walk around in them right and it had been this whole thing where for months we'd had all these prototypes that weren't wearable and so everyone was always saying you know yeah it's a great idea but is it actually going to be strong enough to support a person Mm -hmm. you know I think with something like this where it's a pretty obvious idea like high heels hurt why not take the heel off right like I'm not going to act like it's the most unique idea of all time (laughs) it's clearly something a lot of women Mm -hmm. have thought about before and so a lot of people that doubted us would say there must be some reason why it hasn't been created right like it seems really obvious so clearly it must not exist because it's not possible and as much as we were pushing forward and staying optimistic there was always this small part of me that was wondering like 
what if everyone's right? Like every prototype we've made so far works in your hand, but you can't stand on it. Like what if there is some mechanical reason where the second you put weight on these things, they're just going to give out and it's just mm -hmm. not possible. Um, so to get those 3D prints and actually walk around the office in them and use them and have them work and have them feel really secure, which even as 3D prints was a huge accomplishment, uh, was just really incredible. And then getting that to sh getting to share that with a group of 300 investors up on a stage literally the next day was super exciting. It was a really special time. Wow. So after demo day, where is the shoe at kind of this phase in time? Like from the idea or the 3D hot glue to what it is today, how far along were you guys with that? So right after demo day, like I said, we got those first 3D prints um, that were wearable. So they were pretty industrial 3D prints, but it was still not made out of any of the right shoe materials. Mm -hmm. uh, it was all plastic and we were advised to not wear them longer than a couple hours at a time because, it, I mean, most shoes are obviously not entirely plastic because we don't really know how strong it is or how long it's going to last. So they were pretty weak prototypes, but they were good enough that I could go out and start raising some serious investment okay. money because this was a true proof of concept, mm -hmm. right? Like before we'd had the ones you couldn't wear but showed the idea, and that was enough for us to win awards with no equity associated. But the second we wanted to go to angel investors, they wanted to see that you could actually wear it and have it function. So being armed with those put us in a really good position. Um, and we met obviously a lot of incredible investors at Demo Day. It was a wonderful opportunity. And we were able to raise about $425,000 within about the four months after wow. Demo Day, wow. using those prototypes all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, and then immediately started funneling that money into production with our factories overseas in China to get the real like samples of the shoes made out of the correct materials from molds, like really, you know, actual shoes made that yeah. were made in a traditional facility and met all of the right requirements. And so now that you're really expanding and reaching out and getting all this advancement, I mean, again, I mean, you're probably learning so much, but are you utilizing different mentors and, you know, bringing more people on? How is that kind of yes, going about? Lots of mentors. So at okay. this point, we're in the incubator program, okay. which is kind of the, the graduate program from the accelerator. Mm -hmm. So in theory, you go through this 12 week boot camp and then you go into the incubator, which is two years uh, still in the Cal Poly hothouse organization. Um, but you're moving a little more at your own pace and it's more about growing and launching your business rather than just trying to kick it into mm -hmm. gear. Um, so one of the best things about the incubator program is they partner you with mentors. Um, I was able to put together an advisory board at that time and they were very great, really helpful and very good at obviously making introductions to other mm -hmm. investors. Um, and then at this point, we were also starting to become pretty established in the footwear industry. Um, it's interesting, women's footwear hasn't seen a ton of innovation, as you can imagine. I mean, part of why this product hasn't existed before is the high heel really hasn't seen an upgrade in the last 200 years. Like, if you think about it, the first high heels 200 years ago were made more or less the same way than most high heels are made today. Um, so it's an industry that's not used to seeing change. So even at that point, when we only had these really rough 3D printed prototypes, because our dev teams in Portland, which is the footwear capital of the West Coast, word kind of started spreading. And so what was great about that was people that were pretty high up in the footwear world liked that we were doing something different. And so I was able to get advice from, you know, the former CEO of Foot Locker and chief chief officers at UGG and at Deckers and all these big companies just because we were doing something different that they wanted to be a part of and they thought it was cool. So I was able to start adding those kinds of people into my advisory network, which was really invaluable. And speaking about being different, you're a woman entrepreneur, you know, yeah. I mean, that's not the common, but you're rising up and, you know, making these huge accomplishments. 
tell me a little bit about that. You know, what does it kind of look like in the entrepreneurship world as a woman? And you know, it's it's interesting. It depends on what part of the entrepreneurial world you're targeting. Mm. Um, so in some ways, it's an incredible asset. I think particularly because of the product that I'm making in the industry that I'm going into. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm creating a product for women, right? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I think the high heel hasn't seen updates in 200 years, like I was talking about, is because most of the premier high heel designers and high heel companies are run by men. If you think about it, the big high heel brands are Steve Madden, Sam Edelman, Manolo, Louis Vuitton. Like, these are all guys. Um, So I think part of why there's been no changes, they don't actually wear the products that they're producing, which is part of why they're so uncomfortable. Like, I I don't think they really get how uncomfortable they are (laughs) because they're not wearing them. Um, So for me, I think being a female entrepreneur has been a huge benefit because I'm making women's shoes. And so a lot of my investors and the people that I associate with really trust my gut and my opinion on this product because I actually am creating something that I'm going to use and that I understand. And then I have a very, very good understanding of my market, right? Like I'm selling to other women like myself or like my friends or like my mom. And I I just have a very good read on what I think this market wants and the kind of product that we need to make for that. So it's been an incredible asset in that sense. Um, And I also think it's a really interesting time to be a woman entrepreneur with everything going on with you know, the Me Too movement and just kind of the women empowerment movement in general and all the attention that's being drawn to the importance of equality in business. Um, I definitely think that it's, I'm, I'm glad that I'm a female entrepreneur at this time because I think it's much more celebrated than it would have been, let's say, 20 years ago. And there have been a lot of resources and assets made available to me, I think, because of that and because so many people in the business world appreciate what I bring to the table and want to elevate women in business more so now than they have before. Um, The only area I'd say it's really been a disadvantage has been in the investment community, just because it kind of goes back to that quote about needing more diversity at the table, right? Mm -hmm. When I'm in an investment boardroom, I'd say 95% of the time, it's 98 to 100% men, (laughs) which, you know, a lot of men obviously get this problem. They have mothers, wives, daughters that understand it, but it is difficult sometimes to pitch a product that is so female focused. Um, to a group of people that don't necessarily experience that problem firsthand and relate to it. Um, and then there have been some issues with the, the older community. Like, I think the younger community is, is, once again, very in tune with all these new movements and trends right now and very appreciative of women making a name for themselves in the world. But a lot of well-established investors are of a different time and maybe have a, a poor opinion of women that are powerful and strong yeah, and speaking yeah, their yeah. minds. So every once in a while, there's definitely the offhand comment or inappropriate action that I don't take very kindly to. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm happy to say they are much farther and fewer between than I think they have been in the past and than I originally anticipated. So although it is temporarily off-putting, I've also been really pleased to see how much positivity there is from the men in the investment community, the ones that, that do get it and see where this vision is going and that are really making a point of being... Um, allies to the women in the workplace. That's great to hear. And so now for those women out there that have this idea, and I mean, you totally have the charisma for all this. Oh, thank great. you. <laughs> but for those that maybe just want to get into, but I mean, again, just starting a business in general is intimidating. All that goes into oh, it. Oh, it is. Sure. Right. So what, what do you recommend for those to just take that leap of faith? I think what it is, is it goes back to like I said, almost that that passion, not to make a pun. Um, But when it was at the point where I was up till 3 a.m. working on this, I almost started the company on accident. 
and I, I not to mean that I obviously didn't have this end goal of it eventually becoming something but all of the steps seemed very natural to me because I was just so obsessed with it and genuinely enjoyed working on it mm-hmm. you know it was like hey I've been up till 3 a.m for the last two months working on this business plan I might as well show it to somebody you know and then I got into the hatchery and it's like all right well I have this great idea and everyone seems to be into it so I might as well pitch it at an elevator pitch competition you know like every step just kind of built on itself And really the seed that starts it all is just having this idea that you are so obsessed with that you have to chase it. Mm. And I think that really powerful things can can come from that. When you feel compelled to do something and you're genuinely motivated from a really deep part of yourself, um, everything can kind of come together as long as you're persistent. (laughs) And that kind of flows into the next one is, you know, again, you kind of mentioned like it's not the you're probably not the only one that's had this idea. Oh, I'm right? definitely not. The yeah. amount of people that have messaged me <laughs> and been like, oh my gosh, you stole my idea. Oh my, no. And in a joking way, like yeah, no one's okay, actually yeah, accusing yeah. me of stealing their idea. But there's obviously every woman that's been at a wedding trying to dance has thought, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could take my heel off, right? Like it is not the world's most different idea. And I totally appreciate that. Um, but what's different, I think about what we've done at Passion is we you know, we were the first ones to yeah. actually make it. Like, it doesn't matter how many people think of it. It's right. it who has the passion and the drive to actually get Execute. the damn thing done, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's that's what really takes entrepreneurialism to the next level is, is not just having ideas. I think ideas are kind of a dime a dozen, but it's mm-hmm. having the, the drive and the willpower to make it happen and overcome the obstacles that are definitely going to come up. There's no business that starts without jumping some pretty serious hurdles. Mm -hmm. So, and so with these obstacles and challenges, what's, is it that vision that's driving you? Just, you know, you have, you know where it can be, you know what you want and is it just powering through to get there? Yeah. What's kind of going through your mind when you come across I mean, the, the day-to-day, the multi-day day-to-day challenges. challenges? Well, that's the funny thing. In a startup, there's a challenge like every half hour. You're so <laughs> small that every bump in the road is basically a mountain. Um, so you're pretty much constantly on this roller coaster. But yeah, the motivation is really the vision. And I, I've always known from the day I got started what this company could be what it can mean for not just footwear, but I think for women. Like this has been a problem that's been really ignored for a long time. And, you know, as silly as it sounds, oh, you know, high heels hurt. That's a huge issue in the day-to-day lives of a gigantic amount of women in the world. Uh, and being able to solve this is just, it's just a really cool opportunity. So for, for me, it's always just been knowing what it can be. And I think the good that it can do and the genuine benefit that it can have to so many people Whenever something comes up that presents an obstacle, I just t- kind of take a step back and remind myself why we're doing this and what I think we can, what we can create and just <laughs> bulldoze on through yeah. it, whatever it is. Yeah. So the vision's getting closer and closer. So what's the update for today? Where are you oh guys at now? I know. I'm so excited. We're formally launching this summer. Okay. It's going to be crazy. We're going to market. It's going to be mostly an all online business. We are doing some limited retail testing in Canada, but the bulk of the U.S. business is going to be all direct to consumer from passionfootwear.com. <laughs> um, we're working on getting our exact launch date dialed in right now. We're negotiating some points at the factory, but it's going to be probably in late June is the plan. Um, and we're bringing in our first 1,500 units and pushing them out and seeing what happens. I mean, I'm hoping it, it just gets wild and we can keep bringing in more shoes and just totally. keep, you know, releasing new styles and just try to get as many of these shoes on women's feet as possible. 
So now if women out there kind of want to get updates or get in the loop around things, what can they do? Uh, just visit your website? Or? So there's a okay. couple things you can do. Definitely visit the website. It's just passionfootwear.com, spelled P-A-S-H-I-O-N. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, it stands for practical fashion. That's why it's spelled uh, that okay. way. Okay. Uh, a lot of people don't know why it's spelled <laughs> that way, but that's what's going on. Um, and there is a wait list on the website that's live right now you'll want to sign up on. What we're doing is we will notify people on the wait list of the exact date that okay. it's dropping, but on all of our social, we're only going to hint on kind of a window for the drop date. The reason being is we're actually anticipating a pretty quick sellout. We don't think we ordered enough shoes based on our current wait list. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So being on the wait list is the the only way to know like the exact hour that the shoes are going to drop, uh-huh. which I would recommend if you really want to get a pair from this batch. The next batch won't come in for a couple more months. Um, so that's very important. And then, of course, our Instagram is our most popular social channel. It's just at Passion Footwear. We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn that we keep pretty regularly updated. And those are our main platforms right now. So those are the the best ways to stay in touch with us. Wow. So this is becoming like a huge Jordan drop, but it's passion (laughs) footwear. Get your heels now. Exactly. Yeah. The Jordan. I guess that's a good, good. (laughs) Hopefully the Jordan. I've waited in plenty of those lines and they go around the corner. So this is exciting. Yeah. We'll do the online version of that, hopefully. But no, I mean, it's it's very exciting. It's a good problem to have. But the entrepreneur in me is still very strong. It's exciting, but stressful to think oh, that yeah. our wait list is already a little longer than what we're bringing in. The so calm before the storm. I just don't want anyone to be disappointed. Like yeah. my worst mm-hmm. nightmare is, like I said, I'm, I'm so passionate about getting people these shoes if they want it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to have to not sell people right, shoes right. that want shoes. So good problem to have. We're working on a solution to that right now, trying to get some more shoes over here faster. But it's awesome. it's going to be really cool to see how it goes. And the journey continues. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Haley. This has been great. Thank really you appreciate for your time. having me. I know, very fun. Always like talking about my passions. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for Passion Footwear as they're about to release their product and change this whole shoe industry. So it was great talking with Haley and learning all about the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship and what they have to offer and, you know, her journey through that process. So be sure to listen to all the other episodes, which you can find on my website, davidkozik.com or any of the podcasting platforms. So Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, it's on there. Thanks again for listening here on Polycast. Polycast.